This podcast is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. The Education Podcast Network. Podcasts for educators. Podcasts by educators. For more great content, visit edupodcastnetwork.com. Welcome to the Principal PLN Podcast, hosted by Dr. Spike Cook, Jessica Johnson, and Teresa Stagger. Principal PLN is a weekly roundtable discussion about current topics in educational leadership. Be sure to follow our hosts on Twitter, at Dr. Spike Cook, at Principal J, and at Principal Stagger. There are many great ways to contact the PLN, follow the hashtag Principal PLN, or at Principal PLN on Twitter. You can also search and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. All links can be found online at principalpln.com. Hey, Principal PLN, we are back with episode 69. We have lots to hear about from Spike because he's back from China. But before we do that, Teresa's giving me a look. Hey, well, okay, before, I, before I even <clears throat> let either of you talk or ask you what you've done, in case people haven't um, seen this, we made an awesome list from NAESP. They put out on the NAESP blog, Great Blogs and Podcasts for Education Leaders. And I just have to say Principal PLN is on that list. Did you guys see that? Yes, we saw it because you tagged us in it. That was exciting. Yeah. I probably wouldn't have seen it until this morning for sure. And there's there's other awesome you know blogs that like Eric's blog, Peter Dewitt's blog, um, yeah. lots of other podcasts. Back Channel Edu with um, who is that? Uh, Maza. Joe and Maza. Yeah. yeah, Joe Maza. Thank you. I you know I've only had a little bit of coffee. <laughs> Branded, that's Tony Sananis and Joe Sanfilippo. Um, so yeah, lots lots of awesome people and it was cool to be on that list. Yeah, that is awesome. It was neat to be included in that. Very exciting. We'll make sure to have that in our show notes in case you haven't seen that. Because it, it's great to have a bunch of other podcasts to listen to so that if we get um, busy and <laughs> don't podcast for a while, you have Which something happens. else. Yeah, I've had lots of people like box me or tweet me and say, "What's up with the principal PLN?" And my response is, um, "We're principals. We're busy." Right. We do it on our time. It's tough. Yeah. <laughs> so before we hear all about China, what what's how about what's going on in America? <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about that. So. Well, Jessica and I are both enjoying the first snow today, which is exciting. Jess already had it in Wisconsin, and it's just starting here in eastern Michigan. So anyone who has children and lives in snow knows that that's a pretty big deal. Um, I was yes, telling Spike, actually, though. If you see or hear a five-year-old on here, it's because um, we haven't played in the snow yet this morning, and I told him you can listen to a principal talk about being in China. So he's here with me, and after this, we have to go play. So, sorry, just to caution people. No, it's, yeah, it's true. And I was telling Spike earlier this morning, I said, I am actually just thanking God that it happened on a weekend and not a school day because this snow, when the, the first, if you, if you live in a place where there is snow, you will know this. But if you don't, um, it's insane how crazy the kids get on the first day that it snows. It's like they've never seen it. It's like it's a it almost feels like it's a completely lost day with the little kids. It's like they, it snows and then you're done. Uh same with so, people driving, by the way. Well the driving yeah the driving is horrible. Like nobody's learned how to drive yet. But um so this week I have a you know we always talk about the it's the little things, you know, that make that make things so much easier for us. And this week I had one of those little things and I needed to share it with you because I was so excited when it happened that I felt like, I, like I, it was like Christmas. I was so happy. Um, we had our annual Thanksgiving luncheon, which um, I know I've talked about before, oh, but we yeah. we spend two days cooking. I, I go down there with the chef, and we cook for two days. We cook turkeys. Everything's homemade. The kids come down, and they help with the sides and the desserts. and So it's a really huge deal. But the last two years that I've been there, the health department shows up for their annual inspection right in the middle of our lunch. What? And it's What do they awesome. have out for you? I know. And <laughs> they, they come and knock on the door just as we're getting ready to lock it. And the man's oh. very nice, but it's horrible because we've got, like, we have all these extra people downstairs. There's, like, eight people in the kitchen. We're carving 20 turkeys. Like, oh. I mean, it's just there's a ridiculous amount of food, and they have to go in and measure it. Like, they check the temperature on everything, and then they check the refrigerators. And, of course, the refrigerators are high on the temperature scale because we have all this hot food in it just sitting to wait to go. I mean, it's like 
everything that could go wrong does. And it's fine. I mean, we pass it every year, but it just makes it so much more difficult on that day. And then it takes our chef away from being able to, you know, hang out with the kids and seeing everybody enjoy the food. And it just stinks. And it's just a huge downer. So something we, must have happened in your school's past that that I know, right? Like, yeah, every year it there. feels like. Every year. I know. I'll get them. So, so that was the last two years. And it had happened a few years before that as well. So we decided this year that we were going to see if they really do check to see when it is or if they've got, like, if there's a mole in the school and oh. see how they make it there, right? So we moved it, and we had it on Wednesday this year. And um, the day before, we cooked everything in the health department, and the day of, they didn't show up. And we were super excited, and on Thursday, I had a principal's meeting downtown, and I got a text message at 11.15 from my secretary that said the health department just showed up to do their inspection. <laughs> I was like, yes! <laughs> yes! We made it through... They didn't come. We were so excited. Yay! <laughs> it's like, you know, and I'm jumping up and down. I'm telling our principals from our vicariate that are there, and I'm like, this is so, and they were laughing because they hear me every year talk about it. So it was, you know, it's those little things that it's like, you know what, we finally got through this huge deal. And the only thing that was a problem this year was that because we make enough food for all the kids, the parish staff, the teachers, and then all the parents who come and help, and we save it for soup kitchen, which is usually that night. But because we moved it to Wednesday, the food for soup kitchen had to stay in the fridge overnight to the next day. It's just leftovers. It's not a big deal, you know, and then you reheat some whatever. But I guess you have to date the leftovers in the fridge when they're in there. And he didn't date them because they were from yesterday and therefore today, you know. And that, But that was it. And it was like, he's like, that's the only thing we got ding done. That was it. He goes, and that's totally my bad. You know, it's fine. They weren't dated, but I knew I was using them today. And but it was like, <laughs> just such a weight off to not have, you know, that super important report happen right when there are 150 extra people in your building was really mm -hmm. nice. <laughs> that should also be like a personal lesson for myself. I should probably date things in my fridge. Yes, it is a good lesson for you. It's good, just in general, just yeah. a black sharpie. I survived that. You, the schools that do that ginormous Thanksgiving feast, oh, I give you all credit. We don't do that. You know yeah, what? We, and I'm not going to put that on my list of things to attempt. It's so much fun, and because we're so little, it's it's doable for us. But it's you know, it's that added stress of the health department walking in right in the middle is just so overwhelming. <laughs> It's mm -hmm. really nice to to miss it. I'm not gonna lie. We never had the the health department. We do a big turkey feast every year, but our our new cafeteria manager wanted to take it over just um, to kind of like minimize the variables, like people bringing in turkeys and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, because all those things that you know you sort of take for granted, but when you're feeding you know 300. And, 20 kids, you want to make sure you're taking the, the right steps. So we right. run that all through our cafeteria now. And we do anyway. I mean, it's, you know, everything is up to code and it's cooked the right, I mean, it's, we do everything we're supposed to do. It's just having somebody in there slows the process. Mm -hmm. And when you've got it, you know, you're trying to serve and then people are coming back for more food and you're, you know, the, the parents are serving it. So they've got big vats of food. They're coming back, but then they're they're you know it's just an it's an extra. It's like it's like having you know when you're cooking Thanksgiving at your house, and you have that kid or like your mom or somebody oh, yeah. who's in the kitchen like trying head. everything, and they're just in your way, and you're like yeah. get out of the way, you know just stop standing right there. Could you just move somewhere else? It's it's like that. It's just having this extra person right in the middle you're of giving everything. a great preview to next week. <laughs> I know. Like, get ready, that's everybody. Right, right. <laughs> Enjoy. So after that. Really quickly at the um because those of you who are from Detroit or who root for the Lions will appreciate this. What? I know, right? So and I'm not <laughs> talking about the Packers. I promise. I, I am not going there because that shouldn't have it's happened like ever. A nightmare coming back. Um, Why yeah. are you bringing this up? I actually wasn't going to go there, and then I forgot about you. So ignore the Lions. So forgetting about the Lions. Later that that morning, our athletic director for the archdiocese says he always brings us prizes when he comes and does presenting at our principal's meetings. And they're like, you know, like cool notepads that are, that are mouse pads or something like that. It's always got all of his information Aww. on it. And so he comes in and he's like, I know what you're thinking. I wasn't on the agenda, so I didn't bring you any prizes. He's like, but you would be wrong. We're like, yes. And he says, did you know that today is National Catholic School Principals Appreciation Day? And we were like, that actually exists? Right. <laughs> I didn't even know. So apparently it was Thursday. So he brings us all these t-shirts. 
and they um, say Catholic schools week on them. It has all the names of. Just make it up. No, I'm not making it up. It actually exists. So <laughs> it's real. So, it's on a shirt. Yeah. It's so, definitely it's real. Shirt. So he brings us this shirt because <laughs> we had done this clothing drive. This it was called Champions of Charity, and all the high schools in the archdiocese did a clothing drive, and the they they um the they collected thirty one thousand pounds of clothes for St. Vincent de Paul. Wow. And it was like, it was huge, it was exciting, so they wanted to keep going. So he says, he says, you know, there's that week, that last week of January, you know, it, he said, you know, they celebrate all across the country, they get really excited about football or something. He's like, something about the Super Bowl. He goes, but you know, since we're Lions and we never get to go there, we celebrate Catholic Schools Week. <laughs> so we started laughing because the, the last week in January is Catholic Schools Week. And so they were talking about how they're going to make these shirts and they're going to put our school's individual names on the back. They're all on the front, all 100 and however many schools there are, and I'm 150, 147. And on the back, they're going to put our school's names and the logo. And then when we sell them, we have $2 goes to us, $2 goes to Vincent DePaul, and um, the last $6 pays for the shirt. So it was all exciting, but... Um, you know, it was, it's pretty cool. We were excited about this. And one of our local high schools, where our feeder schools where our kids go to, um, Gabriel Richard won the Champions of Charity Drive this year, and they got a trophy, and the next year it'll go, you know. It, so it was really cool. It's a very neat thing that they started, um, and it's, you know, raised a lot of, um, of awareness here. That's awesome. Yeah. That's, that's so really cool. It was pretty exciting. So, Jess, what about you? What's going on with you? Um, well, I'll be quick. I just, we, I know I had talked about that we're implementing um, Lucy Cockins units of, units of study for writing. Mm -hmm. um, and we, it, it's a, if anybody has implemented that, it is a huge undertaking if you've never done anything with writing before because the teachers have to do so much learning themselves. Mm -hmm. um, but we're just um, finishing our first unit and grade levels are having a celebration as they publish their piece and it has been so amazing to go and see um, their celebrations like our second graders went to each classroom to get to look at students writing and then the students would leave feedback to each other um, yesterday our fifth grade had they were all in the library and parents came other staff members came um, students shared in small groups and then their writing was posted everywhere and like it was the most amazing buzz in the library as people were going around reading the pieces leaving post-it notes of feedback oh, and cool. like just some of the students read their writing like students with disabilities that you would have no idea that they would be capable of writing that so it was just um, amazing. And one of the teachers who started out talking about it to the parents before, like, said, I was skeptical of this, but, you know, we, we've been sticking through it. And That's great. Um, it's just it, awesome. it's amazing to see what our students are, are writing. I'd love to hear more you, about that. Yeah. Did you start that implementation over the summer? Yeah. Actually, last year, I mean, learning last year. That's what I mean, yeah. Last year, yeah. Yeah, we could awesome. do the whole episode of that. Yeah, we'll have to do that. Yeah. But today, we come together. I want to hear about China, <laughs> and, about China. <laughs> and the Great Wall. So, so funny, because I want to hear about all the, the stuff that you guys are doing, so I'm, I'm we'll like, loving today. We'll save that for today. next weekend. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so Still seriously, without any further ado, <laughs> Spike went to China. <laughs> I know, Spike Yeah, this better be good, well, and I just need to start off by saying the first thing we heard from Spike on Boxer was like, I'm back, I had to suspend a student. And I was like, what? I <laughs> want to hear about the regular stuff that we do every day. Yeah. China, so we've heard nothing, nothing at all. No, and I, I haven't blogged about it. I haven't, uh, oh, I haven't really on. talked to any, anybody much about it. Um, although the last couple of days um, I did share – um, you know, my pictures and stuff with, I've gotten through my fourth and fifth grades so far. Um, it's not even on Facebook. It's not even on Facebook. Um, there's a couple reasons for, for that. So um, one of the things is that I didn't get a VPN before going there, so, um, and I don't really quite know technically what that is, but I guess a VPN allows you to I'll go through something, some sort of web filters. So going into it, I just went with whatever they had, and they block a lot of things, as we talked about, I think, on the last episode. And um, 
I didn't get the international data plan, and I, so I just like really relied on Wi-Fi. Um, but I did that pretty purposefully because I wanted to be way more engaged. Like I didn't want to be, you know, checking my Twitter feed or Facebook or any of that kind of stuff. I just wanted to be engaged in the process of being over there because I was only there for ten days. So I wanted to make it count. Um, and I have a ton of stuff that I wrote while I was there, and a lot of reflections that um, instead of doing a blog post, I'm really actually thinking along with the people that I went with of putting like a little EPUB together, um, you know, not, not super long, but just like all our different reflections. So, um, but yeah, I, I'm so excited to talk about it. I, uh, it, was, it was amazing. Um, it started out with um, a 14-hour plane ride, so I don't know if you've the longest you've ever spent on a plane, uh, but for that me, that sounds it was, awesome. Yeah, yeah. But not at all. <laughs> I flew to England like about 20 years ago, and I think that's like six hours. Yeah. Um, so 14 hours was it, it was mentally exhausting, um, and I couldn't sleep. Like everybody, I'd look around, everybody on the plane is like snoozing, and I just I couldn't get into that groove. Um, so I read, I I watched. You know anything that they had on their little like TV thing, and I um, and and I just tried to to occupy myself. So it took uh, 14 hours. We actually flew over the the North Pole, like we went up through Canada and over the North Pole. Did you see Santa? You know, I thought I saw them like kind of working on some things, but I will say that the it was like for miles and miles and miles and miles. Like you just look out the plane window and it's just a sheet of ice there. It was it was crazy. So um It's okay, Alex I, isn't listening right now. Ah, he checked out. Oh. <laughs> 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 uh, <laughs> so um yeah, so but it just was ice and ice and ice. And then um so we, we landed in Beijing, uh which is an amazing, humongous airport. Um that was built for the Olympics, um, and it just is just a magnificent um, structure. Uh, only spent a little bit of time there because then we went right up to uh, our our flight to fly two hours north to a place called Changchung, which is up towards the Mongolian-Russian-North Korea border. So it's pretty northern northern part of China. Um, so that first day was a lot of traveling. And you would think that I got to my hotel room after all that and the, the time that I'd like go right to sleep. So I have to tell you this funny story. I couldn't sleep very much. And I woke up at 4 o'clock, and somebody on the trip told us that we, there was a gym in the, in the hotel. Now, mind you, I don't know any Chinese, so I... Uh, <laughs> I leave my room at like four in the morning. No one is no one is awake, so I go downstairs and I set off an alarm. And uh, there's a security guard who only speaks Chinese, and it's like looking at me like, "What are you doing?" And then the the woman uh, who was working behind the counter, who really she was sleeping, um, gets woken up, and she doesn't know any Chinese. So I ask. I try to ask her where is the gym, and so she puts in her phone like a little translator, and it's and the translation comes back. Are you looking for your friend's room? And I'm like, no, <laughs> I'm, I'm actually looking for the gym. So I start doing jumping jacks and moving around. And then she's and like, then, this guy's crazy. <laughs> and she says back on the translation. Um, are you looking for physical exercise? And I said, yes. And she goes, okay, we don't have that here. <laughs> so now you're looking so, for your friend's room. <laughs> so I go back upstairs, and I'm in the room with just nothing to do. So I start start working out, and um, like I just sort of like made a, made a workout. And this actually comes in later in the story. And... I think I worked out way too hard. Like I just can't. I can't catch a break. My legs, like I was doing like squats and all this kind of stuff, and I guess I overestimated the type of energy that I had, or or underestimated. I don't know. But my legs for like the first couple of days, it was like they felt like linguini. So like I was going into these, these like buildings, we're walking around all the time, and I'm like, anybody feel like weird or something? And they're like, what are you talking about? I'm like, I don't know, my legs. And then it like got me back to the fact that like traveled all that time did like a crazy dumb workout in my in my 
in my hotel room because there's no gym, and I'm in China. So that was like the lead up to, you know, of course, you know, I can't just do anything, you know, regular. There's always has to be some sort of bizarre situation. So in a few hours, like so that's four in the morning, like by seven o'clock we were down like for our first meal. And uh, that was different too because like they, you know, they eat like you know, Chinese food, not to be funny, but like, but they eat that all day long. Really? So, yeah, they really do. <laughs> But like anything that you would see at like your local Chinese restaurant was there for breakfast. So I I'm the kind of person like I I like our society and our culture where like you have breakfast foods, you have you know eggs and omelets and you know all these type of things, cereals, and like the the Chinese people who were there like they were eating like rice and dumplings and all that kind of stuff. So um, they did have some American options, but it, it wasn't a whole lot. Um, so anyway, the first day uh, after all that, uh, we went to a place called Jillian University, which is uh, one of the universities in Chenchun, and we went to a middle school that was affiliated with that, and um, that was really eye-opening because um, you're talking about, I think there was 5,000 students there in the middle school um, because China has 1.8 billion people. And so their systems are humongous. Uh, to me, it seemed like everywhere we went, we were going to like a college campus, like just oh. insane, insane. What? What? Um, did, did was that ever a point of question of like why are they so big? I guess it's so populated there. That's maybe it's so populated. Yeah, and they're they're dealing with that in in different ways. Um, you know, for a like, long time, of course, they had that one child policy, uh, okay. which they have recently adapted to two child. Like now, you can have two children. Um, but, but they really like that's the limit. Then that that is. Yeah, that's really the limit. Yeah, and you know, um, like when we were in Beijing. Um, for the second part of the trip, we, we always had a translator with us, and, and this guy was, was pretty interesting, and he talked very specifically about how, you know, the one-child policy worked and how his parents ended up having a second child, not, not planning it out, and, and they actually had to pay a lot of money for that, and it was, it was a lot of, um, uh, what, a lot of what, regulations on What that. happens if they have more than two kids? They get fined. Oh, yeah, they get fined. Uh, they don't take the babies away. I okay. Some people think that, but uh, yeah, like I yeah. have heard stories as a kid, like they killed their baby or whatever, and I well, I have no idea where those stories came from. I could be yeah, crazy yeah. It's interesting, you know. Like um, that's that it is a it is a big thing, but um, anyway. So you know, our purpose with going there was to study their education system. So, um, the the cultural piece was was like really part and parcel of the whole experience you know like you can't really it's just like us like you can't talk about our education system without talking about our society um, so I'll, I'll kind of like interweave it in but um, anyway the, this first school that we went to and I'll, I'll certainly be posting some pictures and videos and stuff we can put that in the show notes um, it was really cool like they had the kids line up in the beginning of the day and, and I'm telling you in this place it was freezing cold it was like I don't know 20 degrees 25 degrees uh, for us um, because they use Celsius there, so you you talking about these like long lines of kids all out on the on this court outside, and they're doing like exercises, and there's like these songs playing, and that's how they start their day every day. Um, it was like like watching like almost like a military, um, like like a military display, you know, um, and. The teachers were just kind of like standing around, but like the student-to-teacher ratio at a lot of these schools are humongous. You know, it's like um, after we had watched that, we went into our first class. I think there were 50 kids in there for one teacher. Yeah. So um, the wait the a whole... second, aren't they always like higher than us on you know national test scores and everything? Yeah, they are, and. What I, what, what, well, what I can gather is that, um, like, we, we educate everybody and we make accommodations for um, students with disabilities, students with learning disabilities, you know, physical learning, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, we educate everybody 
Um, and it's not that they don't, but they have this elite system of schooling. So uh, their public schools, um, it's, it's all based on the test. And the reason why it's so based on the test is because they have so many people. They only have so many universities. So it's become so competitive. Because uh, I had asked the question, like, why don't you just open up you know, more universities to act to a college professor, to which he said, yeah, I w I'd love to, but do you know how hard it is to, you know, open up a university, you know, and I, I kind of was thinking about that, like, yeah, like in the U.S., they don't just pop up all the time. Um, it, it takes a lot of time, unless you could do it online. Um, so um, these tests become extremely important. So um, what we saw, and we actually, we were there a couple of days, like, where, where sometimes they were taking these tests. Um, so in order to get into a good middle school you have to have a good grade on your your fifth grade test you know and then in order to get into a good middle school you have to have a good grade on your test and then college so those kids who don't make it and I will talk about that they go to different types of schools and my sense is that they are not a part of when we look at that data if that makes any sense so there we're we're only looking at the part of China that has those elite uh, schools, which is going to make it seem like, yeah, well, they're totally outperforming us. Um, not to take into account that they have, you know, thousands of uh, thousands of people who live out in the in the western part of China that aren't even like really part of this equation. I mean, so, so then, do at middle school level is that when students already start dropping out of school and just start working a trade or? No, no, that's a good question. No, they're not. They're not dropping out, but they're just going to lesser type of schools. Um, for instance, um, if you're wealthy in China and, and you don't make it into, like, say, an elite uh, middle school, um, you can put your kid into a an international school. So they have a lot of partnerships with the United Kingdom, with uh, U.S., with Canada, and and basically. Those were the schools that we visited that seemed a lot more innovative, a lot more uh, closely aligned to what we do here in the United States. And if those kids can follow that curriculum, they get into a, a, a college uh, or university over here. Um, but th those are those are quite expensive. And I will say that the quality of student in those classrooms were vastly different from the ones that were in the more elite schools. Because a lot of people have that misnomer, like, well, if there's 50 kids in the class, you know, and they're not all behaving, like, they're going to get into trouble, right? Well, yeah, when the stakes are really high and you're in that school, oh, my goodness, like, those kids were, you know, at attention. Like, they were... Um, the teacher sometimes didn't even dress them by name. She would just say like "boy" or "girl," and they had to stand up. And it's very—it's like rote memorization, and um, you know, not a lot of group work or collaborative. You go into these other schools where the kids—they know that they're not in the top schools. They are a little bit more turned off. Yeah, I saw kids sleeping in the class. I saw kids, um, you know, talking to each other. And I also thought the quality of instruction was a lot less. Wow. So um, the the first school that we went into that I was telling you about, like that, uh, is affiliated with one of the universities, Jillian University. Actually, I should have wore that shirt today. I got a, a Jillian University uh, T-shirt when I was there. Um, to just paint the picture, so you have 50 kids in the class. They're all in rows, um, sort of buddied up. So like they would be in pairs or they'd be in threes, uh, and the teacher went through about a 50-minute lesson, uh, like I was saying, just all rote memorization. Um, anytime the students had to respond, they stood up and gave their response and then sat down. Um, and, and this was an English class, so uh, you could really see what kind of skills the kids had, and I think these were eighth graders, um, which was impressive because conversation-wise, they could hold a little bit of a conversation. Um, they were all in uniforms. And, and just so happy for us to be there. Like, they were super excited. Um, at the end of the class, um, we gave them gifts. And um, I spent, <laughs> much of the chagrin of my group, I spent about 20 minutes, maybe 15 minutes, um, just getting mobbed by kids. I don't know what it was. And they just, they wanted to get my autograph. <laughs> <It was a laughs> great... That's so cute. So, of course, like, 
the guys I went with, like Steve Santilli and, and Jay Eitner and Glenn Robbins and stuff, were like, what were you doing? And I said, well, I was actually giving out, like, Corwin cards, and I was telling these kids, like, yeah, you can get 5% off my books, you know. <laughs> 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 so it was really funny, because those are the cards that I, mean, I just got all these cards from Corwin, right? So they asked you to bring these cards. So it was at that school, and, and Jay uh, Eitner, who's hilarious, says, "Who's giving out?" Like it was that we were all giving out. He's like, "Who's giving out?" I just saw a kid that had Corwin card. Who's? And he looks at me and he's like, "Are you are you trying to sell books here or what?" <laughs> oh my goodness! So anyway, I'm signing these autographs. I was taking selfies with the kids. The kids were were awesome. Like they just were so excited that we were there. Um, and it, it was such a such a cool experience, you know. Um, so anyway, that was that was in, in Changchun. Um, we visited a couple other schools there. Um, almost all very similar, you know, very big, humongous, uh, gigantic class sizes, and just um, just a, a different world. Almost feeling like you're on a community college or or a college campus. So. Um, one of the things that I think is is really tough uh, that China really needs to deal with is smog. Um, so I will say in the 10 days that I was there, we rarely saw the sun. Um, this, they have so much uh, manufacturing and they have you know a gazillion cars and um, actually, Teresa, I thought of you because the uh, Chen Chung that we, no. that, <laughs> Sorry, the, uh, I rarely see the sun. <laughs> you rarely see the sun. No, because the um, uh, Chan Chung is known as the as China's Detroit. So oh, they cool. have yeah, they have like Volvo factories there, and they have um, you know Mercedes Benz, and and you know all all these different types of uh, car manufacturing that's there. Oh, and that's um, it's it, yeah, so it's it, and it's like. It's like Detroit was, you know, probably right. 20, 30, 30 years ago. Yeah. Um, yeah, it just, um, you know, cool. mind-blowing. Like, and that was, like, part of my, like, preconceived notions about this, like, that you would go there and everything was, like, extremely basic. And, you know, with the communist economic system, you know, to be, like, a little bit behind the times. And uh, that I, I totally had that reversed. I mean, like these people were driving really, really nice cars and um, there was uh, there, there was a lot of opportunity or seems to be a lot of opportunity for them to, to, to advance on. Um, I will say though that their road systems and traffic is completely different than anything that I've ever seen in the United States. I mean, I, like we were driving um, we in this in this van, and uh, we called the driver the boss because this guy <laughs> drove like a boss. I mean, we, we would have these times like I would say, oh, I, that was a human being, but the human being still weren't walking. Like, how did we just? <laughs> he didn't end up on our hood. <laughs> yeah, because they would be walking out. Then there would be like a motorcycle packed with all this stuff on top. Um, you know, driving around, then there would be another car, and then there was people coming the opposite way on traffic. I mean, I was, I, I don't know how they drive in, in, in Chanchung. I mean, it was, because you got to think about it, the, 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 the population has grown so much, and they've, they've all gone to the cities, so they're building everywhere. Oh, yeah. Everywhere. Yeah. And the roads really can't, they, yeah. Like they weren't built for this this traffic, so people just make up, yeah. their, <laughs> make up their own. When we were in Italy, it was the same way. In Rome, it was like there were just people everywhere, and there's no real. I feel like there's not a real lane. Like there's no tra there are no traffic signals. I think I saw no three traffic signals in like the ten days we were there. Yeah, but Glenn Robbins know. was he? Yeah, he was talking about that, and I think. It was him or Steve Santilli who they literally said they were driving in Rome and they pulled oh. over and they just called a cab because they're oh like, yeah I can't it's take horrifying it no there's no there's no way it's I mean even in a cab it's like I I sat every time I got in a vehicle besides the bus that we were in if we had to get in a cab I I say like this the whole time yeah. like, if I can't see what's happening I can't flip out you know I just like head between your knees deep breaths 
like um we were cheering this guy on like he <laughs> laughed like he like and our translator was was uh she was really good and she was able to like really convey like the humor and stuff like we would be like we would be cheering him we would be like like I, I don't know I, I just like he, he just was able to navigate us through um so yeah, we stayed for a couple days up there, like it's like I said, visiting you know schools, visiting historic areas. Um, I one of my other pre preconceived notions, I felt like every class we would go in, we would see like a picture of of Chairman Mao, and there would be you know like the the, the red you know Chinese flags everywhere, and there would be um, you know that that whole sort of like Soviet era feel, um, and and I I didn't find that at all actually. I think uh, what I've been telling people is is that yes, they you know they really look to him as the like sort of their George Washington you know uh, of of their country, um, but much like we do, like you you they've they've kind of gotten beyond that, and there's um, much more freedom there than I ever could have imagined. Um, you know the way that they talk about the country, the way that uh, the you know the the this discussions go that that they are free to, you know, sort of talk about the things that are going on without repercussions. Um, and that, that was really, um, that was really good. That, was, that really made me feel like, wow, like they've, they've really progressed a lot. Um, I think that's a misconception a lot of us have just because of, you know, what we've seen on TV or how it's portrayed in the news. I think that's something that we're all, you know, we're all guilty of thinking for sure. Yeah, and one of the th like you know, like I said earlier, going in there and having you know a lot of the social networking sites blocked. Um, they they have a, a, a social networking site that is really actually pretty cool. Um, oh, next time I do a presentation, I'll probably say like, hey, here's an app that you can try. It's called WeChat, and um, this was like something like you can text, you can um, send video, you can send audio, pictures, you know all different types of things and they're really interactive with that so I saw people on their phones all the time and anytime they would go in stores they really they they use QR codes way more than we do here in the US um, everything from sales to um, connecting with each other they scan each other's phone all the time so that that WeChat thing dominates everyone um, or dominates their their social networking you know what I was listening to um I listened to a podcast um, on the Twit Network, the This Week in Tech, um, and they talk about you know apps and things that they see around. And WeChat was a was one that kind of there was another one that was happening here that everybody was using who didn't have it was it was really big when it was like pay per text. Remember when it would cost oh, you like ten yeah. cents a text before. Um, before these unlimited texting plans came really big. WeChat was one of them that used to be used here in some places. Kik is another one, K-I-K. Yes. I'm looking through WhatsApp was the big WhatsApp. one. Yeah. yeah, somebody had said that the way I ex described WeChat, they said that sounds a lot like WhatsApp. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but they kind of adopted, they were talking about how, you know, we used these here really big until texting became you know, a part of an unlimited part of your plan, but yeah. a lot and people who didn't have iPhones, you know, because you could there was a point that you could send messages to iPhones for free, but like text right. messages were still not. Um, they would still use those apps to go back and forth without having the cost. Or the same thing for kids. You know, if you buy your kids an iPod Touch, you can still get a hold of them wherever they are without them needing a phone number. Because it's yeah. a way to message them or call them without having to pay for the phone. Yeah, definitely. Um, before we went to uh, Beijing, I will say that um, the one thing that was really eye-opening was we visited the Department of Special Education in Chen Chung University. Um, and now here, once again, here's one of my preconceived notions. When I think of that, I think of teachers being able to teach kids with special needs. Um, that couldn't have been farther from the truth. The, these are this was a college designed for kids who had special needs to do things in their society, things that I was amazed at. Like for instance, the first place we went into, and once again packed. I mean, there was 50, 60 kids in this room, uh, all you know, visibly having you know um, 
you know, disabilities of all, all different types. Um, they were learning how to do like acupuncture or acupressure and and um, and massage. Um, I I got a like a like a thirty minute massage from a blind person that they're teaching. Wow. You know, like in the traditional Chinese medicine way of like like different points and stuff like that. Um, it was it it was phenomenal. Like it, like what they're trying to do to help help these guys and gals to you know be able to contribute to their society. Um, we went into this other room that was uh, for painting, and we saw these amazing works of art being painted by these by these kids, and they were all deaf. So, you know, kids that had graduated some sort of you know high school, and um, they wanted to provide you know something for them to do, and they were taking these paintings, and then the paintings were so nice. They're like some of them were replicas of like Van Gogh and. Cezanne and all those type of very famous ones, or they could have been, you know, something else. And then those are like the, the works of art that they sell to different, you know, restaurants or galleries or whatever, um, you know, painted by these kids who, you know, have have hearing issues. So um, I was really I was really surprised at that, and that's something that they're very proud about, um, you know, because I think they've their system has been often criticized about what do they do with kids with special needs. So when you're looking at a class of 50 kids um, and you can't give them that individual support, you know, invariably those kids are, you know, sort of left behind um, and they are starting now to try to make these uh, gains to kind of help them out in some sort of way. I mean, we're only talking like within the last 20 years of this stuff happening. Um, so almost like... Um, like I would say the equivalent of some of the, um, uh, it made me feel like, um, I don't know if you have these in your areas, but like an arc, like uh, like where you're dealing with, um, you know, teaching life skills to, to kids who have disabilities that, that aren't yeah. in school. Yeah. Yeah, we have, they're called yeah. different things here, but yeah. Yeah, so that, but this was in a college setting and I thought it was really interesting. Um, what also struck me is the, the, the buildings. Um, they were cold. Almost every school and every college we went to were cold. Uh, they didn't always have the lights on, and uh, the buildings looked rather dilapidated, uh, much to the chagrin of uh, you know all the educators that were there in the United States, where we put a lot of emphasis or try to put a lot of emphasis on our buildings, uh, like a fresh coat of paint and some light and some heat in those buildings would be coming alive. And it's really because they put their emphasis on the learning. So I often complain about my building. It's, you know, 1929 and, you know, really, you know, needs some updates right. and stuff. And I looked at these places and I was like, wow, I, you know, I, I guess it's a way to keep their costs down and it's also a way to say, you know, our focus here is, is on the learning. So you got well, these. If yeah. they have, so if they have large class sizes of 50 kids, what do they spend as much money on education as we do, but spend it in different ways? Do they do they not spend as much? I wonder. I wonder how cost compares. Do they pay their teachers a lot more? You know. Yeah, you know their teachers get paid pretty well in comparison to their society, um, but it's it's a it's very similar to us in that it's it is a state run. You know, uh, enterprise, and the but the state in China has unlimited coffers. You know, it's not like um, like we have much more of a private and public, you know, type of looking. Like you know, you want to keep taxes down and all that kind of stuff. Like over there, you know, like they have they have the ability to to spend a lot more on education. But I think like what you're saying, I, I don't think they spend it on the things that that we would think are important such as you know the infrastructure and stuff like that I think that they're it's it's more focused on their you know um, you know their, their curriculum and their um, you know materials and you know and things like that um, but I will say like we're spending way way more money on student technology in the states than they are. Uh, in almost all the classrooms I went into, they, they had a smart board or a display board. The teacher had a computer, but the students didn't. Um, they well, had, what like, do you do with the technology? Everything is blocked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's strange, though, because you know that they use the same devices that we do, and um, I couldn't wrap my head around it because I was looking at their 
you know, their computers, and it, it's the same computer that we have, like the same computer that you and I are looking at right now. But I'm like, well, wait, why don't they have a, why don't they have like a, like our, like, like we have 26, you know, letters in our alphabet. Oh, they, like, have, their, they have a different keyboard. No, they have the same oh. keyboard. And I'm like, how does that work? And I said, so how well, do you... In your settings, what keyboard it is, but then how do they know what it is? Well, it, it, this is this blew my mind, and it took about fifteen minutes of explanation from a college student because <laughs> you're like, who is this dumb principal? I, yeah, I'm like, I can't. <laughs> like these people leave their schools. Well, here's the thing. Like, first off, we go to this one college, Jillian University, at nine o'clock on a Saturday morning in the library. Thousands of kids studying. That's something we were like. In the United States, at nine o'clock in the morning, you're not going to find thousands over. of kids. <laughs> They're like, we're like, where's college game day? Where's the right. big game day? <laughs> where's um, the party? Yeah, so um, so we went and we were walking around and we found this 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 one girl who was studying for the TOEFL. That's like the big, you know, um, yeah. you know English, you know, uh, exam. So I was talking with her, and I said, I, I have to ask you, your, your keyboard's the same as mine, but yet you're writing in Chinese. How does that work? So the way that I could describe it, my own limited vocabulary here, is that if they were going to hit the key for A, it pops up almost something like when you do spell check. So there's several different words. So what they do is they scroll through those words. So I asked her this silly question. Why don't you just have a Chinese keyboard and she laughed and she said there's over 3,000 characters in our language like how big would you want the, the <laughs> how, how big would the, you want the keyboard like I think of you know the old um, dumb phone where there's three letters per number and you have to like keep hitting the button yes. so is that what the, it's like that's what it's like how long that, does it take them to type a paper then well I don't know because they these kids were, were rather you know, did she uh, type for you to let you yes, see how she did? She did. That? She did. Yeah, she oh did. So, um, and they were using uh, Microsoft products, which I was kind of joking with the with uh, the, the guys that we went with because you know they can't use Google. Um, oh, so yeah. <laughs> uh, at, at one point, I was making this joke about Microsoft, and she's like, "Are you from Microsoft? I want to go to the Silicon Valley." You know, and <laughs> I was like, "No, no." I said, "I know a lot about OneDrive, though." <laughs> um, <laughs> so I, I ended up showing her, like she, she was wondering really like what we were doing there. I showed her, um, you know, some of the things that we're doing in the U.S. and uh, yeah, she was she was really amazed by that. So, um, yeah, I, I feel like I, I could go on, but I've only gone through like like one aspect of our trip, which is in Changchun. I mean, I, there's a whole second okay. part that I like have two important questions. Yeah. Okay. The first one, do they have school principals? They do. And, um, and so if all these kids are like military school, like behave and listen to their teachers, what does the principal do? Um, the principal does everything that we would love to do. <laughs> we didn't get pocket on discipline. Um, and they do have discipline. I'm not going to say, I mean, they're yeah. kids like anything. So they do have fights. Yeah. They do have problems, you know. It's just handled much differently, and the stakes are so high that kids can really mess themselves up and get kicked out of school. Um, also, mind you, these kids from sixth grade all the way to twelfth grade are living there in almost all the schools that we met or, uh, that we They're went in to. Boarding schools. They're in boarding schools. Yeah. And oh, the length what? of the day, and I'll get to hey, the then what do parents do if they're missing their? They're children living there everywhere. Well, they're only one child too. You never see you never see kids like everywhere we went like all the restaurants and stuff. I'm like these parents must be loving this because <laughs> they're like out to lunch or out oh to dinner. Oh my gosh! Uh, well, yeah. and that explains why the um, that explains why the the teachers get paid so much too, though. Because yeah, because they're, the, they're boarding schools. Yeah, and they have people that that help you know run the boarding schools and stuff. Um, so. Okay, yeah, so I was asking a lot of these questions, too. So we didn't see a lot of principals, and I asked why that was, and they said that, one, that they're very busy, and a lot of times that they are Chinese, and they may not have a good grasp of the English language, so they just weren't, they, it's, it's funny, though, because there was a lot of principals there. They weren't really big part of these tours. Oh, um, so you didn't get to have a conversation with anybody? No. So what, what I what was described to me is that, you know, they have a lot of responsibility 
to, um, you know, just like we do, like attend meetings, uh, you know, make sure that the curriculum is, is, is being, you know, delivered, they do observations, they are, um, uh, these exams that happen are extremely difficult and the principal is the one many times that is is grading and, and interpreting and then giving that feedback to um, the students and the, and the parents. Uh, it really goes through them. Um, the other thing that I thought was really interesting in almost every school we went, in, went to, um, the length of the day, so you're talking like starting like 7 or 8 o'clock in the morning and for elementary kids going to like 4 middle school kids going to like five or six and then high school kids going to like eight or nine at night wow. um, and the teachers teach a lot less than our teachers do so in most of the schools that we went to a teacher may teach two classes that are like say 45 minutes to an hour long and then I was like, well, what do you do the rest of the day? Well, they're, they're grading papers, they're planning, they're collaborating with um, with other people so they they have a much different philosophy on education especially from the teachers perspective um, I mean they do have our, other our duties. teachers would probably have that same philosophy <laughs> yeah yeah they would like that right they don't have yeah. any cafeteria duty they like uh, yeah. like they are they are it's more like a college professor if, yeah. if I could make the analogy those teachers from middle school up seemed a lot like college professors like you know the one girl we were talking to she was giving us a tour and I said you know I was like she's like yeah I, I taught a class at 930 and my next one's at 2 and I'm like wow like so they, they really can be super super focused on you know I'm what like, they have to do yeah 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 that's just not our reality here no because Sounds like great. like I was saying you know most of our our people get like 40 minutes off and then you know, and a 30-minute lunch. Like, they just, they don't do things like that there. Um, the, the cafeteria, like, I, I did see one of those. Like, like two, 3,000 kids on a particular <gasps> floor eating at the same time. Like oh, these my God. Guys, Imagine that lunch duty. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's like big vats of, like, right. Because you can't just have... Like with oh. all those kids, like you can't just have them going through one line. So they have them like in sections. They have this big vat of rice and soup, and you know, and they, you know, they come up, they get their food, they sit down, they eat, you know. Um, and there's not a whole lot of people walking around because the teachers are eating at the same time. They're eating like in their own little, um, like their own cafeteria. It's not little because some of these schools rice have like and soup every day. Yeah, rice oh my soup. Our you kids know, are so spoiled. So spoiled, yeah. So super spoiled, um, you know. And and the teachers have their own, you know, sort of like teachers' lounge. We went into one, you know, that was like bigger than our, you know, any conference room or, or even our library. And and it just had all these like little places for them to sit and do their work and um, and collaborate and stuff. So they're like I said, they're really looked at more as like college professors. Wow. Okay, my next question. Great Wall of China. Uh, what a what an experience that was. Um, I would say it was probably top two experiences that I had there. Um, I didn't understand the the enormity of this this thing. Um, I mean, I knew that it was long and stuff, but like we went. Um, it's not far from like where Beijing, the capital, is. So we took a bus ride out there, which was you know crazy and traffic filled and all that stuff. And um, we get to I, I guess there's different areas where you can like access it. And uh, the place that we went to, um, there was a lot of stairs just to get up. So when I when I when I throw some of those pictures out, you'll see like I'm talking miles just to get up to like the top because they're built on top of mountains. And that was the other thing I didn't realize. Like I thought they just built this wall because they wanted to keep people out. They utilized this mountain range, so it's on top of the mountain. So as we climb to the top, it's like you, you're getting into, you know, thinner air. You're getting into like oh, it's very foggy, you know, overcast because you're in clouds. Um, and it was really like super cool because anyone you met, like the higher up you met, you went. Um, like not a lot of people make make made it up. I think as far as we did, because we didn't also have a lot of time. Um, 
you, you have this like bond with people, you know, so you're like, we were taking pictures with people, I met people from like Nepal and Thailand and uh, Canada and U.S., you know, who were there um, just just walking and, and I, it, it was really breathtaking, you know, like I, I kind of wish that we'd spent more time there um, because I would have just kept walking, you know, and, and walking and walking because it just the sheer enormity. I think it's two or three thousand miles long. Um, oh my gosh. And, and so we just did like a tiny, tiny little bit of it. Um, so I do have a shirt though that says I climbed the Great Wall of China. Uh, and it was just, um, it was really taxing. I got a lot of steps in that day and my legs, once again, after <laughs> after having the experience in Chengchong, like the next couple days after that, I'm telling you, I had, I'm like, my legs were just, they're like, what are you doing? <laughs> um, so that was that was like just breathtaking. That that whole thing was was amazing. Oh my goodness! There's like there's just so much information. I know. I feel like um, yeah. You know, this is probably a lot longer than you know, like we normally go. So um, I guess I'll just sort of sum up everything by saying, like the I would say, like the three you know takeaways that I got you know out of the whole experience is that I, I'm you know much more appreciative of the way that we are running schools here in the United States because I think we're constantly trying to find you know the answer in other systems, whether it's China, Finland, Japan, Canada. Like we're always looking for something else, and I think we really need to take the time and appreciate what we really are doing, um, because I'll tell you what they're they're learning a lot from us, and um, you know the the individual, the creativity. Um, you know, especially like, you know, with our maker movement and our technology um, far exceeds anything that they're doing. I, I, like if, if you looked at it on Bloom's taxonomy, like we're we're really trying to get to those high level blooms where I really felt like, um, at least in the schools that I went to, you, you, you saw a lot of remember, understand, you know, apply where we're trying to get into that, like evaluate, create, um, you know, understand you know, like these these complexities. So I think that that's one. Um, the second thing is that we really need to learn a lot more about this country and the language, because it, you know, 1.8 billion people. You know, it, they are a world player. You know, and and the 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 China dream as opposed to the American dream. The American dream, like we want to, you know, um, you know, be successful and have a house and all that kind of stuff. The China dream is. So that country is stronger. That's really what they're working on. You know, um, they live in you know very tiny apartments uh, in humongous apartment complexes. Um, so there, it's not like the suburban life like that we're living, uh, that most of us are living who aren't in the cities. Um, so you know that that whole emphasis on the whole as opposed to the individual is is quite interesting. And I guess like the third thing is that. Um, the takeaway that I got is that it's um, the if they can fix that smog uh, problem and with the building that they're doing, I could really see and the and the progress that they're making like in social and political uh, areas that I really can see that it would be much more enticing for Americans to want to go and visit because um, you know the, the buildings that they're doing are, are absolutely amazing breathtaking uh, the accommodations were, were really good uh, the food was awesome um, you know and they were really excited like they really want to be part of not so isolated anymore they really want to be part of the world's you know the world's economy and the world's um, you know system and uh, so I, I really see a bright future, bright future there. That's really exciting. All of it. <laughs> I mean, there's, so, like, there's so much. It's like it's it's really it's really really neat. So um, what I'll say is that we are going to be you know putting something out there if you're interested in that. Also, I'll put in the show notes too. I think um, uh, the author Young Zhao has talked a lot about this. He just wrote a book called I think it's called Behold the Red Dragon. And it really does a great job of comparing and contrasting the education systems in both the United States and China. And, um, you know, I think that's a really good thing to for people to read. And, um, yeah, and, and like I said, I'll also include any of the blog posts that the people who were on the trip did. That would be great. Can you have a lot of pictures, Spike? 
Yes, I have a lot of pictures okay. and some videos and stuff too. So. All right. Well, it has been so awesome to hear. I would love to hear even more. Um, but uh, this you got to get to this so, now. Uh huh. Yeah. Do, like they're all going crazy. Yeah. It's starting here too. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so sorry. No, that's okay. No, I felt like I was went went too long too. But uh, all right. So yeah. So look at all that stuff in the show notes. Um, and just, just want to say happy Thanksgiving and enjoy your yeah. break and relax and rejuvenate and get ready for the rest of the ride. That's right. Team. All right, All right Jess. Jess. Okay, thanks, guys. Principal PLN out. Thanks for sharing in the learning with us today. Remember to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes and continue the conversation by joining the Boxer Group. Links can be found at principalpln.com.